He the Lord of your life this morning. Hallelujah. How many know that he's holy? I was listening to Dr. Sproul this morning speaking about the holiness of God. He said to Moses, he said, I want you to tell all the people to cleanse themselves. I want you to get them ready three days before, and in three days I will come. And the Bible said that as Moses prepared the people, how many know we need to be prepared to go before a holy and a mighty God? He's an awesome God. And the Bible said that when the Lord came, he said, number one, don't let anybody touch the mountain or they'll die. Not even an animal. I'm going to tell you something. He's an awesome, powerful, holy God. When the Lord comes, I don't think we're going to come and say, hey, dude, been waiting for you. We're going to fall on our faces before him, and we're going to cry, and he's going to have to pray for us that we can even stand in his awesome presence. He's holy. And the Bible said on that third day, he came. I want to tell you, that's the resurrection power. That he came in when he touched the mountain, the whole mountain shook with his presence. The Bible said Moses was the only one that was allowed to come up onto the mountain. And he told Moses, he says, don't look upon me. He said, walk backwards. Because he said, if you look upon me, you will be consumed. We don't serve a hippie today. We don't serve somebody running around with peace signs. Hey, dude. We serve a holy, a mighty, and a powerful God. In Psalms chapter 2. In Psalms chapter 2, he said, many will mock me. Many will come against my people. But he said, I sit in the heavens and I laugh. He's an awesome power. Our enemy is not the Democrats. Our enemy is not this one or that one. Our enemy is, is Satan, and he has no comparison to God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Deb, would you come one more time? I'd like you to read something for me. She's a better reader than I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have it all open there, and there's what I want you to read. All right, here's the microphone. Matthew 27, 57 to 20. Okay. When the even, even was come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, While he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went <clears throat> and made the sepulchre sure, 
sealing the stone. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the, keeper, the keepers did shake. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. think of the stone I did a little research on what a tomb looks like and and there are a few different versions of the tomb but for a very affluent rich individual it would be a certain style and Joseph of Arimathea definitely fit that description as a very very wealthy man in his day the tomb was prepared for him but he gave it as a, as a disciple of the Lord, he said, no, I want the Lord to be buried in the tomb that was meant for me. And what we find in that is that that tomb was carved out of a solid rock. And there was an entrance into the tomb that you went in about two or three feet. And there was a pocket built, if you've ever seen a pocket door, that slides into the wall. It's a special design that they would, this huge stone, it weighed between two and 4,000 pounds. And it was, it was pushed into the pocket of the door of, of the tomb so that when it was rolled forward, they'd let a break go or a piece of wood or whatever would keep it from rolling in. They would remove that, and then when the stone rolled, it went down into a cavern that would drop the weight of the stone so that it could not be rolled back. And what we realize is once that stone was rolled into place, now we're talking two and 4,000 pounds, and this rock weighed between, uh, was probably between one and two inches thick, four and a half in, uh, feet across. And it rolled down into that place, but that was not good enough for the Sadducees and the Pharisees because they said, didn't he say on the third day he would raise up the, himself again? He said, let us make sure because, because we know that they will steal the body and they will say that he's risen and we don't want this to happen. So he went to, uh, to Pilate and he says, we need a Roman uh, 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 seal put upon the rock. Not only is it dropped down in where I will tell you it would take a team of men and a lot of leverage and it would take a lot of noise for that rock to be lifted up and rolled back. But the Bible says that they took and put a Roman seal upon that rock. Now the seal was made out of clay and it was sealed with the insignia ring of the emperor. And there there would be a rope that would come down with a sign saying this tomb has been sealed. Uh, and, and then what happened after the sealing of the tomb is that they, uh, they had two roaming guards that would sit watch there at that gate. And so what we realize in this is that even though even though they were there and they watched it, the miraculous thing that happened is not only was the seal broken, but the, but the 2,000 to 4,000 pound stone was rolled back up into its pocket door, out of the way, 
But we know that Jesus rose before that stone was even opened because the angel came and opened the stone and showed them that there was an empty sepulcher there. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Lord. Now, we want to say this. How did the Roman soldiers... I'm going to tell you something about Roman soldiers. They took their job seriously. If a Roman soldier was to lose a prisoner they would have to take the place of the prisoner. If the prisoner was, was, was being led to, to, to uh, execution, those Roman soldiers knew that they better keep that prisoner because if they didn't, they themselves would be executed in the prisoner's stead. Believe me, they were awake, but the Bible said that God called a sleepiness to come upon them. So they missed the whole thing. And when they woke up, the stone was already rolled away. What an amazing feat that is. Now, you can look in the books of history, and you can find the stories, not just from the Bible. If you say, well, I have a hard time believing this Bible, then you need only to look at history. Because history itself and those credible in that day wrote about these very events. In fact, Paul said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, he said, then, he said, then, then your, your whole message is vain. He said 500 people were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. I guarantee you take that to court today and you'd win the case. But for some reason, people will dismiss the story that is real. This story is real. But I want to talk today in John 1125, Jesus said unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? Jesus is saying to Martha, the power is in the resurrection which I am. I'm going to tell you, the power is in the resurrection, which I am. Now, we know on Friday, in fact, I put on my Facebook a message about a, a, a black man who preached one of the most powerful messages on, it's Friday, but Sunday's a coming. It might have looked bleak on Friday when he was nailed to that cross, when all the people had forsaken him. And in Jesus even said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to turn his back on sin. And the Bible said there was darkness upon the earth. Total eclipse from light for three hours, right from noontime till three in the afternoon. Darkness. Because God had turned his back to the, to the crucifixion. And we have to realize this, that he died in our stead. But he said, I am, the I am the resurrection and I am the life. I'm going to tell you what, he stands right now or sits on the right hand of the power in heaven. He is the God Almighty. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That is in heaven, in earth, in Matthew 28, 18. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, wonderful. Not only was he resurrected, it was this, this statement of the, of the Great Commission was after his resurrection. He said, it's finished. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the evils of the world. I want you to know that when you serve Jesus, you can have confidence that he is with you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't come against the devil on my own. 
I come in the name of Jesus. Even the angels in Jude said, the, the angels in Jude said, we, don't, we dare us not come against the devil on our own. But in the name of Jesus, we come against every evil that is in this world. And I will tell you, the Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're living in a demonic world. We're living in a world where we can't tell whether we're men or women. We can't tell a lot of things. I'm going to tell you this right now. It's foolishness. You know, when I was a child, I heard about the emperor with the new clothes. Ever hear that one? And the emperor was marching out in, out in public because a person who, who was supposed to design his outfit forgot to do it and convinced him that when he was naked, that was the outfit he created for him. So the king's out there naked. And all the fish, oh, and just make him believe that he was clothed. Until the little kid looks and says, Daddy, he's naked. And, he, and, he, and he, he covered himself and ran. And the thing we need to understand today is we are now being fed with this foolishness. And we're supposed to buy into that. And I'll tell you right now, I'd rather stand upon this word. God said, I made male and females. That's just a little extra. But in the statement and the Great Commission, it was not spoken until after the resurrection. We needed a resurrection. In Romans 1.4, Jesus declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Let me read that again. I want to read it a little slower. Jesus declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness and all of this is by the resurrection of the dead. I will tell you that he has overcome the grave and that we no longer have to fear the grave. And that's what Paul said. He said, oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the grave and death have been swallowed up in the presence and in the power of God. We need to understand and realize something that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we live eternally with him. And he wants to share his power. We have to think about it. The power is in the resurrection that brings godliness and holiness to the children that are in this world. In Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. What is Paul wishing here? He wishes to be wholly conformed to Jesus. And he says, as far as possible, to be just like Christ. Many are willing to reign with Christ, but they would not be willing to suffer with him. Many would be willing to wear the crown of glory, but not the crown of thorns. Many would be willing to put on the robe of splendor, which will be worn in heaven, but not the scarlet robe of contempt and mockery. They would desire to share the glories and the triumphs of redemption, but not its poverty, contempt, and persecution. This is the feeling that Paul had. He wished in all things to be like Jesus. Paul's desired would, uh, that we would have the same thing. In Galatians 4.12, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. I want you to know something. Any suffering that we do for Christ and for his glory will be rewarded. And, and I will tell you, he will, he will give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, any and everything that you've lost for eternity. Think about that. For eternity, we can know him and we can walk with him.
In 1 John 1, 12 said, But as many as receive him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, when we looked at the power uh, that in Philippians 3.10, the power of his resurrection, we find the word dudamos. That's a Greek koine word that the original text was written in. And dudamos means dynamite. I think in the 70s of someone used to say that a lot. <laughs> I don't quite, uh, you know, always, always dynamite. But this word for power is not the same. The word here is exosia. In the sense of ability, privilege, subjectively, force, capacity, uh, uh, mastery, Magistrate, superhuman, ponte, to take control, delegate, influence, authority, uh, uh, judicial, liberty, power, right, or strength. And what he's saying that he gave us the power to be the sons of God. In other words, he rose us up to walk with him. He gave us that authority to walk in the presence of Jesus. And you know something? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what we need to understand is that we need to be disciplined, and that's what word disciple means, to say that if you hear my words, you've heard the words of the Father in whom I heard from, that I'm nothing more than a messenger today. Isn't it wonderful? Don't you just love the fact that God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Hebrews 10.39, But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition or sin, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Do you believe today? Only believe, only believe. Only believe. You see, that's what the word faith is. The word pistis in the Koine Greek. And it means to believe upon him. Do you believe upon him this morning? Are you willing to say, Lord, I receive from you all of the things that you have given to humanity? The word resurrection here is uh, anastasis. Anastasis is standing up again. To be raised to life again. The word again makes a profound statement, meaning to bring one to the original state in which it died. Now, there are people who will say, well, wasn't Ananias risen again? Then how could Jesus be the firstborn? Well, Ananias was risen to his former state. The Bible said when Jesus was risen, he was risen in glory. He was risen uh, in the power of God. He was risen in a way different from anyone else that could have been risen. And he said, I want you to have the same resurrection that I have. Ecclesiastes 11.3. He said, if the clouds be full of rain and they empty themselves upon the earth... And if the trees fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there shall it be. I'm going to tell you right now, and I want to use this in two different ways. Number one, that the, that would mean that the resurrection is a, is a miracle. But number two, when a person dies in their sin, there's no more repentance. I know some have come up with what they call purgatory. And purgatory says, well, if you die in your outward sin, you can go and suffer for a little while and that you be made pure, and then you can go. I want you to know that if we die in our sin, we will go to hell. I've had people wrestle with that. But I want you to know something. God wants a family, and he wants you to be a part of his family for eternity. What a wonderful thing that is. He said, I will not always tarry with man. There is a day coming, as it was in the day of Noah, where it will be shut up. And we will enter into a tribulation age, which is worse than any human has ever experienced. It's coming soon, people. If you're not looking around you, and, and I want you to know it's rapidly coming. 
You know, there was a day when if there was an earthquake, you say, well, you know, the Bible said the last day be an earthquake. But I'm going to tell you what, there's earthquakes and tornadoes and wars and rumors of wars and nation come against nation and, and, and kingdom against kingdom. Everywhere you look, the world is falling apart. People are entering into craziness. But God says, why are you alarmed? Did I not tell you these things would be before the coming of Christ? I will tell you this right now. He's coming soon. He is coming soon. In Romans 6, 5, he says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection rise in the glory. You imagine what our glorious bodies are going to be like. We're going to be human for eternity. How many know that God made humans? He made you to be you forever. But he wants to clean you up a little. <laughs> I'm glad of that. God help me. We come before the Lord and say, Lord, what is my problem? Lord, I struggle. Lord, I need you. The Holy Spirit can enter into you, and he can enter into me, and he can share with me. And I'll tell you, sometimes he doesn't tell me the things I want to hear. Because he loves me. The Bible said a son that is not chastened or corrected is not a son at all. He said, I am a father that corrects my children. I spare not the rod. If you feel, if you feel the rod of God, thank God that means you're a son. <laughs> I remember a young lady one time. And she was very upset with her parents because her parents allowed her boyfriend to live and sleep in the same bed with her while they were in high school. And she said to her parents, I am angry that you allowed us to do that. Number one, that boyfriend was no longer around and she had to bear the shame with the husband that she has. And she did not have parents that would spare her that shame. You see, correction shows love. And God comes to correct us. He comes to show us a better way. I've shared with you before when I was a child, one of the hobbies I had was sucking pennies until they got clean. Oh, where'd that thing been? Paul said, as a child, I was like a child. But he said, thank God I grew up. And that's the thing we need to understand in life is we need to grow up in him. We need to become the sons of God. We need to, to, to understand that things that, that, that may be expedient, otherwise lawful for me to do, but it is not best for me to do. Lord, help me with these things. In Matthew twenty two thirty, 30, said, for I am the, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are they given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Think about it. To have angelic bodies, both beautiful, powerful, and tireless. I took a college course on heaven. And the professor was you know, just, just talking, because we don't really know fully what it's going to be, but I guarantee it's going to be better than anything we've ever imagined. We're not going to be sitting on clouds eating Milky Ways and playing a harp and just drifting off into the abyss. We're going to be with him. And I will tell you, when you look at all of God's creation, you can tell he is an artist of artists. 
In fact, any artist that is other than him is only copied. And they've only used the material he's allowed them to use. Because he created all things. He's the greatest of artists. And I want you to know something. When you look at the beauty of all this around you, you can, he, you can see him in all of that. And if he can do that here, how much grandeur will be eternity? I can only imagine that, that we get to heaven and, 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 and he speaks to you. And he said, hey, Nick, I want you to not get a whole, a whole planet over there. I want you to go and, uh, you know, I know you're a handyman there, but I want you to know I've got a planet for you to overlook over and, and to oversee. What little bit we give up in this earth is nothing. And to compare with all that God has in store for those that will love him. In Luke 20 and 36, says, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels. Think about that. We'll be equal. Now, the Bible said on this earth we're created a little lower than the angels. But after the resurrection of our bodies into the heavenlies, we shall be equal with the angelic beings in heaven. What power. And are the children of God being children of the resurrection. But there is a resurrection of the unjust, and we need to look at that just a little bit and briefly. In Acts 24 and 15, he said, I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust. The Bible says that God spoke and all that is was done with just speaking. He spoke. And the animals were, he spoke, and the earth was. But when it came to making a man, the Bible said he stooped down into the ground and he took the dust of the earth and he formed in his hand a human being and he breathed into him and gave him eternal life. The very breath of God is in me. The very breath of God is in you. The very breath of God is in every single human being. But what we have to ask God is this. What will I do with this breath that lives within me? Will I surrender it to him? Will I give him what is due him? Will I become a servant of Jesus? Will I stand in his presence and hail him the king of kings? will I say, I'm going to be the king of my own life. And I'm going to do as I choose and as I please. You see, that's the difference. The difference for each and every one of us. The Bible said in 2 Peter 2.9, he said, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust to the day of judgment and punishment. What the Lord says is, Bob, I know how to deliver you out of this temptation. A lot of temptations in the world, wouldn't you say? Especially if someone comes along and the women are running around with hardly any clothes on, you know, and, and all of this. And you look at all that and you say, Lord, I've got to guide my eyes. I've got to guide my heart because there are so many lures out there that Satan is bringing forth to try to draw me out of the privileges that God has given me and into sin. Why would the devil be so bent on drawing us out? Of the pavilion of God. Because he wants to take away the power that I'm talking about today. He wants to rob us of what God puts in our hearts. There's no way when I go to God and I know that I've committed sin against him. That I feel confident when I speak to him. In Revelations 19.20. 
It says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophets that wrought miracles before him, that which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. That will happen during the tribulation. And them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And now people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, how could a loving God do such a thing? And I will tell you this. If you had given your son to be spat upon, ridiculed, crucified, and watched people spit on him, mock him, you'll notice the, the most famous cuss word today is to cuss the name of the Son of God. You think that's by accident? You think Satan did not instill that in the hearts of the people to, to, to curse the very Christ that died for each one of us? You see, the Bible shares with us that if we reject him, there's only one way you and I could go to hell. And that is that we would have to spit upon that cross and deny him and reject him and become the kings of our own lives and do only what we see fit to do. Rather than to be servants of the most holy and the most high God. In Revelations 20, 10, it said, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire with brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelations 24, and I'll get back. In Revelations 24, 20 and 4, it says, And I saw the thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, in which had not worshipped the beast, neither received his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hand they lived and reigned with Christ the whole thousand years of the millennial reign of Jesus. And then, of course, we know they went into eternity to be with him and that he would never leave their side again. But what I'm sharing with you this morning is, yes, when we serve Jesus, there is a requirement that we sacrifice our will and our ways. I know there's a lot of religion out there. Oh, you'll get saved and you'll be happy ever after. Everything's going to be wonderful. I'm going to tell you this. I cannot promise you that. I can tell you this. With the way the world is going right now, it's getting dark. Anybody notice that? Because if you have noticed the darkness, God has opened your eyes to see it. You're privileged because there are so many people out there. I don't see any darkness. Oh, I think we have a good government. I don't see nothing wrong with our school system. I don't see, and they're like zombies, and they walk around, and they cannot see. But if you can see it, that means God has opened your eyes to see it. That means God's working in your heart. He's working in your life. He's showing you the difference between what is evil and what is holy. The Bible says that the blind out there, the zombies, I call them, in a sense, because they can't see right and wrong. He says, he said, the devil has blinded their eyes from seeing. You know, when we want people to come to Jesus, you know, the first thing we need to do is we need to come against the devil that blinds their eyes. Satan, I adjure you in the name of Jesus. Loose that person so that they can see. A blind man once came to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, Jesus prayed for him. And he said to the blind man, he says, well, he says, can you see? He said, I see, tree, I see men as trees. In other words, it wasn't perfect. 
Sometimes when we come to Jesus, we don't see perfectly, but we do see something. And Jesus prayed for him again that he might see clearly and he could see clearly. I want you to know something. When you come to Jesus, he will give you a brand new set of eyes. He will allow you to watch the news and to read behind the scenes and the lies that are being taught us. I see it. It's so plain as day to me. I see it. A man sat at, was at a restaurant, and a man we'd known for a long time, he sat there and he says, wow. He said, you know, things are getting a little crazy. I said, yes. I said, you know, and I started to talk to him about the end times. He got up ghost-like and ran off. I didn't want to go that deep. But I want you to know, Jesus, well, he sat at my table. I didn't chase him down. Oh, shit, I'm going to tell you. But I want you to know something. For the Christian, these are exciting days. I'm so excited. I wake up and I, I see the news. Every day I wonder what's going to happen today. What's going to happen today? And there's a sense of excitement in me. Is Israel going to go against uh, Iran? We know the Bible said they will eventually. Is this going to happen today? I have excitement because I know the end of the story. And the end of the story is that we live in victory with him. I want to share with you today that we can choose because God given, he's given us a free will today. He's saying to me today, Bob, who will you choose this day? Every one of us have been given a will. I hear people say things like, well, if God were, 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 were a good God, why did a drunk cross the line and hit a family and kill him? I mean, what was that all about? The Bible said he gave man a free will. I'm on guard on a Saturday night if I'm driving. I know somebody's on the other side probably drunk. I'm ready to hit the ditch. Because I know that God has given humanity a free will. He cannot give you a free will and then micromanage it. If I gave you a lawnmower and then I said, but I don't want you to start it unless I'm present. And I've got to check the oil. Have you been doing that? I mean, have you gone onto the deck and cleaned it? I guarantee you after a while, you'd probably say, you know something, Bob? You need that more than I do. I don't want the aggravation of it. But when you give something, you give it. Have you ever given something to somebody and maybe they did something that disappointed you? But you gave it, right? God gave us a free will. And we will do with it as we will. But God said, if you will will the heavenly things, he said, I will work in your life. I will make you a son. I'll give you the authority to become a son of God, the power to become a son of God. And that you can walk with me and you can talk with me. And that together... We can stand, and I'll give you a new name that's going to be written in heaven. I'll change your total and complete position. And First Peter 1, 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto lively stones by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Would you stand with me, please? Ask my wife to come just for a moment. I want you to know something. Jesus is real. I was 20 years old when I came to know Jesus Christ. My life was not a, a life I'd even want to share. It was far from God. But I remember that day I came. I don't know what was preached, but I knew there was an urgency within me to know him to know him in a deeper way and to give my life to him. I remember leaping to the altar 
And I asked him to do the work in my life that only he could do. And I felt this big hand upon my back, hesitant to peek, but I did. And there was nobody else there. It was the hand of God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not me that saves. I can't save anybody. I can't convince anybody. It is only the Lord and the Holy Spirit that can draw. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can save. I've done my job. I've done what I've been commissioned to do. But now it's up to the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed, I just want to give that chance. If there's anybody here that says, I want to know him the way you do, Pastor. I want to have the same excitement that you have. If you'd raise your hand, I'd, I'd love to see your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can let them down. Anybody out? Nick? All. Got to be brave, man. <laughs> we got to say, Lord, today is the day. I want to give it all to Jesus. The Bible said when Paul preached, there was three types of people. There were those that were convinced, those that were almost convinced, and those that rejected. I don't want you to be rejected. I don't want you to leave here the way that you came. All those that raised your hands, come, I just want to pray with you. Now, you know, I know that takes us out of our comfort zone. Takes us out of our comfort zone. But God is saying, if we're willing to just stand, and I want to pray with each one of you, if you'd please come. If you'd please come. Danny, come on. Svetlana, I mean, God's good. Savannah. Amen. This young boy right here, he raised his hand. I want him up here. My son was five years old when he came to the Lord. Every little boy, every little child has to make his own decision at a certain time. And he is saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want you to know something, young man. Jesus loves you. He's given you a lot of energy. So you could be like Pastor and just share the gospel. Amen. God is good. Nick, good to see you here. God is so good. Thank you, Danny. And you, young lady, are you just with mommy? Amen. Savannah, God bless you. Beautiful family. Amen. Anyone else that wants to come join, if you feel it tugging in your heart, it is the Holy Spirit doing that. Thank you, Lord. Got to be brave. I want to ask all of you that are here to repeat after me as you present yourself to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus that you would save me from this wretched world that I would become a son or a daughter of Jesus. That I would be filled with your Holy Ghost and power and allow you to do in me what only you can do. That I would live a victorious life in this life and in the life to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to tell you this right now. Philip was told to attach himself to a chariot. And that chariot was had a, a man that was very highly esteemed in his own country. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip said, do you know what you're reading? He said, I need somebody to help me, to interpret this for me. And Philip went up on that chariot, and he rode with the man. And after the man had, had the revelation of all that he was trying to read, 
he said, when they saw a certain body of water, he said, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, man, do you believe in the Lord God with all of your heart? He said, I do. And he said, he, straightway they went down and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you this right now. When we believe on God, that's the miraculous thing. I'm going to tell you, all of you, you'll never be the same because you're blood washed. God loves you. Now he's going to begin to work in your life and he's going to begin to show you things that are okay, things I don't want to look at because he loves you. And things that may have been may have been, you know, comfortable for me, the Lord may say, you know something, I've got a better way for you. Be prepared for that as well. In the name of Jesus, God bless you and thank you for coming. What a beautiful family. Amen. And, and a new one is coming. We're praising the Lord for that in Jesus' name. God is so good. We love him. We praise him. You see, as I sat there even this morning, I know what I am. I'm a man. And I always say, Lord, if you don't come on the scene, what, 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 what am I going to do and what am I going to say? I met a man. He's a pastor. And I said to him, Sister, how is it going to go Sunday morning? He said, I've got two messages ahead already. I'm thinking, Lord, how come you don't do that with me? You made me bite my nails the night before. You made me sit at my desk on Sunday morning and say, oh, Lord, help me. But he's always faithful. And when I was writing that sermon, I had written a lot of it yesterday, this morning, writing. I accidentally hit print. And God said, it's done. Don't write anymore. That's what we have. I love every one of you. I want you to know that I want to partner with you. I want to walk with you. I want you to know something. We're all in this boat together. And that together we can stand. Heaven and all to stand, to stand there for in the name of Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Spirit of God that was in this house today. Lord, we know this is just the beginning of many that will come to know you in a greater way than they've ever known you. Thank you, Jesus, for your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We don't take it lightly. But we know that it begins with us. And Lord, here we are. We present ourselves to you. A living sacrifice, Lord. And we know this one thing. What a day that'll be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one that takes me by his grace. And he leads me to that place in eternity. We ask everything and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And God bless every one of you.